Welcome in to another edition of the Train With The Best podcast. I'm Craig Hoffman with Chris Gorez. The intro will be short today because we just got off the phone with today's guest and he was great and we want to get right to it and there's plenty of material there. And Chris, we kind of talked about the stuff that he's going to talk about on last uh, Train With The Best podcast because we're talking to Micah Kurtz today. Yeah, yeah. Micah's... Again, one of the one of the best in the industry is is doing some things on the high school strength and conditioning scene that is is phenomenal and really changing the game. So I think it's important for people to hear. I think it's important for people to understand how his journey kind of came to be and and the kind of the difference that he's making in in his school. So I think that's something that we should all strive to do. I know I know he's he's inspired me to do a little bit more in the high school scene and get involved with some of the local schools here in down in Richmond and here in Reston. So, you know, if you're if you're out there, I think this will be a good listen for you and, and hopefully give you some ideas of what you can do to make an impact on your community. Yeah, no doubt. Um, we intro Micah fully in the interview. So just go, if you want to follow him on Instagram, you can do that at Kurtz M3. Kurtz, K-U-R-T-Z-M3. Of course, we're on Instagram as well, at Trinagoras, at Craig underscore Hoffman. You got anything else to add? Or we just yeah, I mean, if you, and, Micah? and I think I think you're going to see listening to Micah how how intelligent he is and, and what he's doing, and it's certainly not like the video that you probably saw that we posted on 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 online with the the typical stereotypical strength and conditioning PE coach that's just <laughs> telling everybody's everybody's got squats three by eights. It's like you got this list of the different athletes and everybody's doing three by eight squat anyway. So what's the point? But what about his shorts? Does he wear the short shorts? Yeah. He doesn't wear the shorts. I think those shorts are a thing. Of the I past. think he should. I think I that'd think, be a funny bit. I think you put the shorts in the closet with the, with the CD man and the and the, and the <laughs> fidget and the bad spinners. Or the <laughs> yeah. Uh, without further ado, here's our chat with Micah Kurtz on the Train of the Best podcast. Our guest today on the Train with the Best podcast is someone we talked about last week on the Train with the Best podcast. That's Micah Kurtz. He was the 2016 National Strength and Conditioning Association High School Strength Coach of the Year while he was at AC Florida High School in Columbia, South Carolina. Has moved down to Florida now, working at Windermere Prep. Still a phenomenal strength and conditioning coach at the high school level. He spoke at the 2018 Vertimax Summit, which is where he first met Chris, and now we are excited to welcome Micah Kurtz onto the Train with the Best podcast. Micah, appreciate the time, man. I'm looking forward to this. Oh, yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. I've uh, been checking out the podcast since I met Chris a few weeks ago, and uh, you guys do an awesome job on the podcast and definitely have enjoyed the show and uh, and definitely enjoyed meeting Chris uh, at the Vertimax Summit. And uh, as somebody I didn't know about, and now that, I, now that I've, I've met you and have been researching you and, and 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 googling you i mean you're 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 kind of a big deal so i'm excited to <laughs> excited to be on this uh, podcast with you man i appreciate that micah and, I, and i'm excited to have you on you know ever since to, I, I listen to you speak you know i always when i listen to people speak uh, i always have a, a an appreciation for one the material that you're presenting which was awesome and then two just your professionalism and, and the way that you approached that you could tell that you prepared for it that you you got up there. You had your slides, and, and you had you had practiced it and rehearsed it, and and that's a big thing to me because I feel like, you know, there's so many people that want to go out there and they do these presentations, but they don't even prepare for it. They just kind of go out there and they think that oh, I'm just gonna go out there and just start talking and this and that, and then it's gonna be a great presentation. But you could tell that you took the time to make sure that it was a great presentation, that people understood the information, that you had relevant slides. Uh, I really enjoyed that video that you played. Uh, with it, with that high school coach that was kind of mocking the, 
the uh, stereotypical high school coach. That was that was pretty funny. So, yeah, man, when I, when I saw you and I, and I listened to you, I, I I knew right away, man, we got to get you on this podcast. So I'm excited. Well, I appreciate it, and definitely, uh, I definitely need to practice my presentations for sure because I never would have uh, if you t- said 10, 15 years ago that I'd be speaking at some pretty uh, pretty big time conferences. I never would have expected that because public speaking was never. Never something that I was really interested in. So when I when I do get the opportunity to speak, I definitely definitely want to take the time to make sure uh, I'm not stuttering too much during it. Yeah, you know what's funny is like a lot of people, I well not a lot of people, but what I see from some of the people who are getting into this industry, it's like they want to jump straight to that. They want to jump jump straight to the part where they're giving seminars and workshops and writing eBooks and all this and that. And it's weird because you know. I do some of that stuff, but that was never my goal. My goal was just to come in here and, you know, be helpful as much as I could, help people find the next stage of their career, whether that was from the freshman team to the JV team, JV to varsity, varsity to all met back where I grew up in D.C., all state, all American, D1, you know. So it was just about getting to that next level. And then naturally, you know, I, I never ask to be on a circuit where I'm presenting, but, um, you know, eventually you end up there. So let, let's, let's rewind to you a little bit. You know, obviously you're doing this stuff now, but how did you get into the industry to start off? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously like most, most strength coaches, most coaches, I mean, I was, I loved sports. I loved competing. I was a, I was a pretty good high school player, played three sports in upstate New York. But I mean, I think from a pretty young age, maybe my sophomore junior year in high school, I knew that I knew that I wasn't going to, I didn't have a future in pro pro sports. So I knew I wanted to be involved in sports and, and I ended up going to a small college in, in New York, played football there. And my, some of my biggest mentors in high school were my sport coaches. And so they were also my PE teachers. So I, so I thought I wanted to be, uh, thought I wanted to be involved in sports and be a, be a PE teacher and coach. So my undergrad degree was in phys ed and, uh, and after right out of college, I got a job in, uh, Baltimore, Maryland, as a physical education teacher, and kind of, I've, I had fallen in love with strength and conditioning in in college and in in the later part of my high school uh, career, and really enjoyed training. And when I got my job at uh, Patterson High School in Baltimore, Maryland, I kind of became the school's de facto strength coach. They didn't have a strength coach, but I was young. I played a sport in college. Uh, so they thought I kind of had an idea on how to, how to train the train the, the athletes and the teams, and so started training all of the sports there. Uh, and after a year, I was like, I want to be a strength and conditioning coach. And this was in the this was like 2005, 2006, and I mean, so they were really there's still not many high school strength coaches, right. but there were really less then. And so obviously, most and what most young young coaches that want to be a strength coach now when you're you're thinking about hey i want to be a strength coach i I need to be a college strength coach and so i applied for graduate assistant strength and conditioning positions all over the country ended up getting uh one of the jobs i got offered was at the university of south carolina uh as a ga there and uh ended up moving down to columbia working for some unbelievable strength coaches billy anderson and Dan Austin and Pat Moore, who's now at University of South Florida, um, work, working with them, learning from them. And as I was finishing up my GA, I got approached by the old AD and, and now retired principal at, uh, at my old school, AC Flora, where they were like, hey, 
we've we met you we've heard about you through mutual contacts we're trying to create the school's first ever full-time strength and conditioning position um and would you be interested in it and my brother was actually going to law school at university of south carolina i brought him down there talked him into moving to south carolina down with me when i got the ga and so i was kind of like well do I apply for college jobs all over the country or maybe I should do this for a year or two. And then I talked to Billy Anderson, who was my boss at university of South Carolina and told him about the position and told him what I'd be making. I mean, I wasn't going to be, I wasn't going to be getting rich, but it was a decent salary with stipends and stuff. And he was like, he had been the, he was the head baseball strength coach at university of South Carolina at the time. He had been there for like 12, 13 years, a very successful baseball program. One of the, best sports at South Carolina and told him about the job, told him about what I'd be making. And, uh, he was like, uh, he's like, you're going to be making more money than I'm making. And I've been doing this for 12 years. He's like, you need to do that. You can always get back into the college level if you want. Um, and so that was now 10 years ago. I was at AC Flora for nine years and it was unbelievable experience. Uh, I really truly believe that the high school level is, such a such a unbelievable level where you get to work with all of the athletes and you, the impact that you can make at that age where we expanded our program to really starting to bring some of our fifth and sixth graders over to train and so a lot of those kids I got to train from sixth grade all the way through through college and then see them when they come back from college so that being around them at the most formidable years of their life is is unbelievable so it was a really really awesome school with a great culture and a great community and, and and really was fell in love with the high school level and I mean I had an unbelievable experience there and then just last year I met our school Windermere Prep is actually owned by a company that owns 60 schools worldwide which wow. is crazy and uh, I met the the president the president of athletics for all of the America's schools. So he oversees 16 schools in North America, Central America and South America and met him and then met the athletic director at Windermere Prep and their vision and the value that they place on the position of a strength coach is second to none. And they really, uh, they really talked me into coming down where I wasn't really looking for something um, cause I was enjoy, I was enjoying my position at South Carolina, but they really, they really value what we do and they have a big vision for this school. And, and then, uh, I mean, it's Florida. I mean, I, I'm semi-retired for life. I'm, 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 <laughs> right. work, I'm, I'm working where people retire. So it's been a now, so I just started in June and it's been an awesome experience so far. And, um, I mean, it was something also where I, I, I mean, you preach to your athletes all the time and preach to your students about uh new challenges and new obstacles and and getting out of your comfort zone and i mean i mean i was comfortable at ac Flora and, and and i enjoyed it but i mean i think this was something where it was really time to take on a new challenge and it's been i, I was uncomfortable when i first got here in the summertime and it's been i've been growing as a coach for sure and working with some some all new coaches and new athletes and new demographics and it's something that's really helped me grow as a coach. So it's something I'm excited, excited about and re-energized for sure. That's great, man. It's, it's, uh, it's awesome to kind of hear your journey from the beginning all the way to where you are now and, and, you know, the way that you're challenging yourself. And it's exciting for me to see people like you kind of leading that front because I think that 
that that high school strength and conditioning coach position is so important on so many different levels. Um, and, and with people like you on the forefront, I think it's just going to make things change for the better. Um, but I want to kind of go back a little bit before we get into the two some of the, the, the nuts and bolts of what you're doing now and, and kind of where 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 that side of the industry is. Let's go back to a little bit because you talked about you played three sports in high school, which is always so funny when I hear that because that almost doesn't exist anymore. No, um, it doesn't. What's a, what, what sports did you play, and then how does that kind of factor into the way that you program? Yeah, so I played football, basketball, and baseball in high school. I mean, I mean, I was in Buffalo, New York, and really – the seasons didn't overlap that much. And a lot of us were able to play. The seasons are extremely short in, uh, in New York. I still <laughs> right. think they are. Right. Um, like my, uh, my uncle is a high school baseball coach and they don't start practice until like March 15th there. Wow. <laughs> and we'll start, we'll start on January 15th down right. here and they have right. fall and they, and they have fall ball. So, I mean, it's tough where a lot of these kids really, we talk about, hey, parents are forcing their kids to specialize early or coaches are forcing their kids to specialize early. But really, I think the biggest thing is these high school leagues and high school associations, by them opening, having all these open seasons for these sports, is kind of for, that's what's forcing the kids True. to specialize early. Like, like in basketball, I mean, a, a, lot, of the, a lot of good basketball players are going to be good football players as well and vice versa for sure but basketball we have an open season from all the way from like august 1st to to like october 15th where the coach can do full practices with them and then you got they take two weeks off they got to have a closed season for two weeks and then tryouts start november 1st and so they can practice all fall basically and so if a kid's are really a basketball player but could be a good football player i mean he's kind of forced where he's like, Hey, I'm going to miss out on these six weeks of practicing with my team. My love is basketball, even though I could be a decent, I'm a decent football player. So I think it's really the high school association that, that opens up these, uh, these uh, open periods that forces these kids really to specialize, especially in high school. Um, but to answer your question, how does that relate to, uh, how does that relate to my training? I mean, I think that, I think that, I mean, the number one, attribute you need to have as a coach is to be able to relate to your athletes and be able to develop trustworthy relationships and for them to understand i mean the the oldest saying in the book is they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care and and if you know and if they know how much you care and then you can relate to them um that's gonna what's gonna help you be a good coach so i mean i think by me playing sports all throughout playing sports all throughout my my high school and college and and playing a variety of sports and enjoying a variety of sports and having a little bit of a knowledge of, uh, of a lot of different sports. It helps me, it helps me relate to our athletes and be able to, to, to talk to them about our, uh, about things besides just, uh, just the nuts and bolts of training, but also understanding, understanding the demands of, of the sport and the practice and the year round schedule that they go through. So just, I mean, I don't think you can be. It's tough to be a strength coach or any coach, really, if you haven't, if you haven't played and been in the grind and and done done what they've been doing. So, I think playing a multiple multiple sports has helped me relate to a multiple multiple kids that play in different sports as well. 
The Train with the Best podcast is powered by Key to Life Incorporated, the makers of Super Coffee and Super Creamer. Had some Super Coffee. Actually, I guess it became Super Coffee because it was regular coffee with Super Creamer yep. earlier That's today. That's my favorite. It has been the go-to for both of us now. That's my go-to in the morning. Just some coffee with my hazelnut Super Creamer. And then in the afternoon, I get my creamy black Super Coffee that's ready to drink. I pop it straight out of the refrigerator, take it in the afternoon, and I'm ready to go for the rest of the evening. I feel like the Super Creamers that play in the winter go more the hot coffee. Now, you can heat up Super Coffee, but just, you know, you make your coffee, you add the Super Creamer, as opposed to summer, super hot out, just get that Super Coffee right out of the fridge. But then again, you know, it is super convenient. Maybe I'll go back to Super Coffee. If I do, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to the website, and I'm going to get it for 25% off. Because you can do that too, and anybody can really. Just go to drinksupercoffee.com, use the code Train with the Best for twenty five percent off. That is drinksupercoffee.com. The code is Train with the Best. That's right. You're gonna get your MCTs. You're gonna get your protein. You're gonna get your coconut oil. So stop waiting. Get twenty five percent off. Go to drinksupercoffee.com now. If you can change your energy, you can change the world. That is the key to life. We've talked a lot about this on this podcast about specialization, and, and I can hear it in you, how you answered that question that you don't necessarily probably think that the kids being in one sport for so long is the best thing for them. Is that something you talk about with your coaches and, and with whoever is kind of allowing that system of rules to exist in an effort to change it and in an effort to allow, I guess, more cross-training in just playing multiple sports when the kids are still so young at the high school level? Yeah, 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 definitely. And honestly, I mean, the majority of great coaches that, like, at, here at Windermere Prep, like, we're we're a smaller private school, and honestly, it's great where these kids do get more opportunities to play multiple sports because the I feel like some of our sports are not as 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 high profile. But if you're a good athlete, schools are going to find you. But the seasons aren't as long, and so a lot of our kids do play multiple sports, but. Like in South Carolina, we were at a bigger public school where the school where the sports overlapped, and um, and the good coaches they understood they understood the importance of playing multiple sports, and I mean some of them are going to kind of push their kids to, to 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 play in that one sport, but if they really have the best interest in those athletes, they're going to allow them to play multiple sports. But going back to my the previous question, the biggest problem is we need to get with the state associations where, like we said, basketball has an open season all fall, and then they close for two weeks before tryouts and then tryouts. Like, so I don't know. I don't even understand the point of closing for those two weeks. That makes no sense. And then same thing with baseball. I know in South Carolina, they have fall ball and then they throw again all the way, they they go again with open season all the way until like January 16th and then tryouts start February 1st, which again, that makes no sense because our baseball coach in South Carolina is one of the best coaches that I've been, ever been around, Coach Andy Hallett. He's won six state championships. Um, and he, he's he got a great arm care program and throwing program for his kids in the wintertime. And he's doing that all throughout the winter. And he's building up, so for practice, for tryouts, they're ready to roll, and their arms are in top shape. But the state association makes them him shut down his whole throwing program two weeks before practice. So now, all of a sudden, unless that kid's motivated and doing it on his own, which hopefully he is, he's shutting down for the two most important weeks 
before practice, um, and now you got to go back and build from scratch. So, so the biggest thing to get these high school kids, like the 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 high school coaches that have the best interest, they understand, and they're not going to force their kids to specialize. But the high school association are forcing these kids to specialize because the season open overlaps, and they have um, and they have open seasons. Like even if they didn't have open season. If the football team goes to the second round of the state championship, they're going until the third week of November, uh, or the second round of the playoffs. They're going to the third week of November. Basketball practice starts November first, so they're missing three weeks right then. Why are the season? If they go to the state championship, they're going all the way to the first week of December. They're going to miss the whole first month of practice, and they're going to miss the first two weeks of games. So because these seasons overlap so much it's kind of forcing these kids to specialize. So, I mean, I think if we really want to attack the problem, we need to have the, pe- the people that are way above us, the decision makers at the state associations, um, shortening these seasons so they don't overlap so much. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point and something that I don't think I've ever heard somebody bring that up as far as coming down from, from the top level and, and making sure that those seasons don't overlap. I think that's a really interesting way. And, and like you said, because I, I know what the seasons are like up in upstate New York, <laughs> so, so I know that you got to be done with your fall sports in October yeah. or November, and, and you can't start spring until March. So you know, that's a really interesting take, and I think no, that's, a, yeah. that's a really good point. And then even going off of that, like even so, I mean, so fall ball, fall, fall baseball, like a lot of our kids play, I mean, they're going to play summer ball all year long. and But they have this open season in the fall. And our baseball coach in South Carolina, he was like, I want to shut these kids down. I don't want them to throw uh, because they need to rest. But if I completely shut them down and say, hey, like the, the, the state association says we have this four weeks where we're allowed to practice and have fall ball. But if I say, hey, no you guys all need to rest and we're going to shut down and we're not going to do fall ball. Then he's going to get backlash from parents and stuff saying, Hey, you're being lazy. All these other teams are practicing. Why aren't we practicing? And now you got to say, now you got to try and fight that battle and say, well, we're really doing it. Uh, Cause they need rest. When, when that, how, how the, a lot of people are going to look at you as being lazy or, or you're going to look at it and say, well, I want to rest, but I know all these rival schools, they're practicing. And since they're practicing, I can't just, I can't just not practice. So I think that, like I said, I think it really comes from the state association with these open seasons and overlapping seasons. Yeah, no doubt. And these open seasons that are so long, I assume make your job really hard too, because a strength and conditioning coach can do so much good during an off season where there isn't practice and you really get a chance to build the body, especially of a younger athlete. So how do you balance these long seasons with rest and then doing the work that you feel is necessary to strengthen their bodies and stabilize their bodies for the actual grind of the season? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great question. And, uh, I mean, I talked a little bit about in my Vertimax presentation about how difficult I think it is for programming at the high school level because we have multi-sport athletes. We have 13-year-olds. We have 18-year-olds. We have kids of all different levels. Um, so basically, and this is my – feel free to jump in because I've, I've talked about this a few times, and it's, it's kind of long-winded, so I'll try and, I'll try and cut it down, but I mean – Basically, our whole strength and conditioning program, I mean, we talk about we have a unified program, and 
unifying means that all athletes in our program are training towards the same long-term athletic development goals and movement skills. And the goals of our program are, number one, we want to protect our athlete. Number two, we want them to move well, have good fundamental movement patterns, mobility, stability. Three, we want them to move strong. Four, we want them to move fast, obviously, linear and reactive uh, change of direction. And then five, we want them to thrive in everything they do. And, and we say it's a unified program and not uniform because it means not all the athletes are on the exact same program doing the exact same exercises or have the same loads and volumes. The athletes are broken down by the season of sport that they play. So they could be a fall, winter, or spring athlete. Or if they're a multi-sport athlete, they could be, say, a fall, winter athlete or a fall, spring athlete. And then they're also broken down according to different training blocks, which is decided on a number of factors like their birth age, their movement competency, their relative strength levels, uh, and factors like that. And then they're grouped into training blocks one, two, three, or four, according to those factors. And in those blocks, they could have movement progressions or regressions according to which training block they're in. So, so what are then, some of the things? What are some of the things? Sorry to jump in. What are some of the things? No, because good. I know the listeners to this show are going to be really curious to see what that what that movement competency really means. So what is what are some of the things that you do to assess movement competency? Yeah, so really as far as I mean I think the the, the squat the squat is one of our uh, everybody's core core lifts and most fundamental movement patterns and so they'll start out on a bodyweight squat, a goblet squat and then in order to progress to the next training block, we do something which I learned from Donnie Thompson um, world famous power lifter, great, great. He was actually in Columbia, South Carolina. Um, we call we call it a wall squat. It's not what you think of as a typical wall squat, um, where you're sitting against the wall. It's actually you're facing the wall with right. your feet up against the wall. Um, you're you're facing the wall with your toes up against the wall, and you need to be able to perform a proper a proper squat against the wall. So you really need to be able to push your knees apart, push push your hips back, have good ankle mobility in order to get in that proper squat and they, they're going to be able to need to do a proper body weight squat before moving on to the next level or, or which will, the next level will be a proper front squat and in order to move on to do a back squat they need to hit certain um relative strength levels in their front squat before they progress to to the back squat gotcha. and then after that we could move on to some type of like velocity based uh squat or something once sure, they sure. hit certain, and certain is that, strength levels on the back squat and so as they graduate from level one from from body weight to goblet to front back and, and velocity based is that going to be based off of i know you said strength based tests which is probably towards the latter phases of of that graduation uh kind of progression but in the beginning is it is it more alignment or or range of motion right like so if, if a kid can do a three-quarter squat with perfect alignment, are we moving them on or are we keeping them there until they can get all the way to parallel? Well, I mean, and again, uh, I listened to your your your, uh, your podcast, uh, one of your podcasts uh, the other day, and it really, I mean, it all depends. It, yeah. it, 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 it depends. It's depending on what type, if, uh, if he has, I mean, if he's not built to get to a perfect 90-degree angle uh, squat, but he has, he doesn't have any limiting factors as far as his his ankle mobility 
but he's just got long levers. I mean, we're probably we're going to move him to the next level as long as he can get in in a in a decent and have good strength levels of getting to a three quarter level squat. And then to be able to get him lower, we'll we'll probably supplement some other lifts as right. well and really load up a a rear foot elevated squat or yeah. something to, to get some and more strength. But again, yeah, yeah, it can't we can't force everybody to get into a ninety degree right. squat for sure. And that's one of the things that you know, just just being in this industry for for a long time, and you've been in as long as I have. Uh, it's just one of those things that you always hear, and that's that's my answer too, man. Like it all depends on people. If they can squat parallel, great. I'm gonna let them squat parallel, but I'm not gonna. I'm not going to just keep them there until they can squat parallel before they can start to move some heavy weight because there's benefit to moving heavy weight and then we'll get the range of motion somewhere else. You know what I mean? But like the, 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 the ash to grass people are just hell bent. And you know, I, I used to be in a stage of my career where I would try to try to fight those people. And now I'm like, you know what, whatever, man, go ahead. And exactly. And I think you, I mean, and I think you were talking about some, uh, uh, some Olympic movements, and I mean, obviously, we know we know that we know the clean, and we know the clean and jerk and, and right. snatch are great, great power developers. But, but the risk reward, as far as how long are how long are you going to be taking the time to teach those movements, and where you could be doing other stuff to get them more explosive. And really, right. I mean, at my old school, I mean, we went through, we had a few football coaches, uh, and luckily they all they all moved on because we had success and got got better jobs none of them got fired but each time they came in i mean most especially at the high school level football coaches have been in the weight room before and they're going to all have have their own opinions and one of our i got one of the coaches who came i mean he, he he wanted our athletes snatching and uh and i'm like hey i mean it's a great exercise but the amount of time it's going to take to get these kids to do a great uh, a great snatch um, first we have limited space in the weight room. We don't have Olympic weightlifting bars, but then also we're going to spend a lot of time teaching that movement after a, a long time teaching it, probably 25% are going to do it really well. 50% are going to do, do it decent where they can get some benefits from it. And 25% are still going to struggle with it and could potentially get injured doing it. So it can't just say, Hey, everybody needs to snatch just because, just because you enjoy that movement or just because you think it's a good developer of power. Chris has talked about some of the ways he's gotten around some of those Olympic movements over the years. What are some of the things that you've done since you've clearly had the same realization? Yeah, so, I mean, especially at the high school level, I mean, they need to get uh, some relative strength base. And if they get stronger, they're going to get more powerful and it's going to correlate to any sport they play. But, I mean, we do a lot of uh, Olympic derivative movements where we'll do – We'll do the hang clean. We'll do the hang high pull. We'll do a hang shrug. We'll do a dumbbell snatch. We'll use med balls for power development. So I mean, I mean, there's so much that can be done to to to, to develop power that it doesn't need to be just an Olympic weightlifting movement. And like and and they're called Olympic weightlifting movements because they're done in the Olympics. And guys train and guys and girls train for those for their whole life to be able to do them great and just because that doesn't mean that our athletes need to be a perfect olympic weightlifter you can still get them strong and powerful by doing other exercises so we like to use the derivatives and and again that's and we'll teach we'll start out with with teaching a hang shrug and then a hang clean and as they move to our next level if they have good movement competency then we'll move to the full clean from the ground um 
unless they're in our last uh, training block, our elite level training blocks, and they're going to play a college sport and they've gotten their college workout packet and that college workout packet has snatches in it, we don't really teach that exercise in our training program. But when they get to our last phase, which is our elite level athletes, and even if they haven't met some relative strength levels, but they're going to play to uh, at a college sport once they've gotten their college workout packet, they're going to bump up to our last training phase because it's going to be more individualized and it's going to be training them according to what their, their, their college program has for them. So if they have snatches in it, then obviously we're going to teach them and work with them on their snatch so they're prepared when they go to college. But, yep. um, I mean, I'm a big believer. I mean, the dumbbell snatch, uh, I've read some research where, where it, you create more power and more yep. force production with it in the dumbbell snatch than the barbell snatch, and it's much easier to do and perform and teach. It's, it's also, I mean, how many, how many times in life and in sports are you really punching with two arms at the same time? It doesn't happen very often. So I, I love the one-arm dumbbell yeah. snatch. I love everything that you've been saying. I've, I think I've been nodding my head for the last five minutes with everything you've been saying. I want to ask <laughs> about that question, though, from the other side of things. How do you have that conversation with the coach? Because this is a part of our industry too, right? Like we have to be able to talk to people and educate people because this is not a bad thing, but they don't know what they don't know. So, you know, that that high school strength and conditioning coach, or not strength and conditioning coach, but the, the high school football coach knows power cleans and snatches because that's what they know and they think it's the best. And and you can't necessarily tell them otherwise. So you have yeah. to kind of you kind of have to finesse that, right? So tell me how 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 you approach that. How do you finesse that conversation with that coach or or even yeah, a parent I, that's like, yeah, I want my I want my kids snatching. Uh, yeah, that's a great great question, and, and, and it, you're definitely going to have those the, those those conversations. And I mean, I think the biggest thing is having a having core values and having a strength and conditioning philosophy and being able to explain the why behind what you do and and really i mean as uh, at every like, at the private sector level and at the high school level i think especially are two of the, the two levels where we we are we not only have to be great coaches we not only have to understand our programming and teaching but we also have to be marketers and be able to ex- sell our program and explain yep. why we're doing our our program because a at the high school level if if the parents or athletes don't like what, what we're doing, they're going to, but they want to train, they're going to go somewhere else. And, and, and same thing at the private sector. If they don't like what you're doing at your place, they're, they're going to go somewhere else. Right. And um, so we be, have to be able to explain what, why we do it and what we do it and be able to sell our program. And so, so really talking about our core values, I uh, always talk about number one is we want to protect the athlete. Everything that we do in the weight room is designed to protect them from injury in the weight room and protect them from getting injured in the sport that they play. Number two is we want them to move well. They have to have good mobility, good stability, good fundamental movement patterns before we really start to load them up. Then the number three, obviously, especially at this level, at the high school level, they need to be able to move strong. If they can get stronger, doesn't matter if they play, if they have good mobility, good movement patterns, and they can get stronger, um, doesn't matter if they play golf it doesn't matter if they play tennis it doesn't matter right. if they play football it doesn't matter if they play basketball it's going to correlate and they're going to become a better they're going to become a better athlete we don't they're not at the age where they really need to get into sports specific training right. they need to move well and get stronger number four we want them to move fast so we're always going to incorporate linear speed and change of direction in, into a, into our program and then 
number five is the biggest thing is um, I think there's no better breeding ground for teaching people to be a success in life than in the weight room. And we want them to thrive and we want to empower them to be better teammates, better athletes, better people, better brothers, better sisters, and use, use our platform in the weight room to be able to teach that. But going back to, to, so like going back to our coach, our football coach that wanted them to snatch. I'm like, our number one core value in our strength program is we want to protect the athlete. Right. Um, 25% of the kids are probably not going to be able to do a barbell snatch without the potential for getting injured. So what is your end goal that you want these kids? Right. Uh, well, I want them to run fast. I want them to jump high. I want them to be able to change directions. All right, well, let's let's track their 40s. Let's track their pro agility. Let's track their vertical jump. And if those are increasing, then without the snatch, then – can we figure out other ways to do it? And what does it, we don't have to snatch. Right. And so if we talk to them about number one goal, protecting them, and then obviously we want them to get bigger, faster, stronger, more explosive. And they're, they are getting bigger, faster, stronger, more explosive without doing that movement. I think obviously that's going to help sell your program. Yeah. And I love, and I love that programming, protect, move well, move strong, move fast and thrive. That's a, that's a great way to put it. Um, and, well, and I appreciate. It. I can't. I can't. I, I can't take credit for it. I steal everything I, I, I've learned. And, <laughs> I mean, you and I steal. <laughs> and I steal it. I steal it. And then, I mean, after uh, after I've used it for for a couple of weeks, I kind of just make it my own. But I definitely got to give credit to uh, Gary Schofield, who uh, is an unbelievable high school strength coach. He actually just took a job at Play Flooring as like a high school ambassador. But I've learned pretty much a ton of what I do from him. And I stole, I stole those core values That's, from him, kind of changed the words a little bit, a little right. bit, but it's definitely, I think definitely we all can't take all the credit for that. Yeah. I think we all kind of have something similar. Like, like my, my ebook is called move better, do more, be fast. Right. I just, everybody has something very similar. We all kind of steal from each other. I always yeah, tell yeah. people it's like the piano, man. Like I didn't invent the piano. Like those 88 notes have been the same since Beethoven all the way up to John legend. It's still the same 88 notes on the piano. I'm just playing yeah. it a little bit differently. I didn't invent anything. You know what I mean? So, um, and, and that's, I think that's something that's so great about this profession. I mean, the more I've gotten involved in, in, in conferences and in organizations and, just starting in networking. I mean, strength coaches are just so free to to share their share, share their ideas and their programs. At least the ones that I've I, the ones that I've come across. And, yep. and so we can steal from each other all the time. And and really, I mean, we're kind of we're behind the scenes guys, and we're not we're not yep. doing the X's and O's. So and honestly, uh, we should be behind the scenes guys because it never was about us. I love what I loved about listening to you most is you know you, you come across guys that uh, I talk about it all the time with some of my friends in the industry. And it's like, you come across people that either think that they have it going on, but they really don't. <laughs> or you have people that do have it going on, but they know it and they act like it, you know? So what I loved about listening to you is, you know, you've got all this stuff going on and you're doing such a great job, but it's all about having that white, white belt mentality for you and being able to share ideas, which... I know that we're going to have you on this podcast for a, a few more times. And, and I know we've talked about in private doing some mentorships and, and being able to share these ideas with other coaches. Cause I think that's what it's all about, man, being able to, you know, share our experiences and ideas and, and ultimately just make an impact on these kids and, and these athletes and, and hopefully just improve our community, you know? Well, I appreciate that. And then going, I mean, this, I mean, 
I mean, this this profession is, is is always changing, and I mean, the more like the more I get involved in, in network and meet coaches and and go to conferences, the more the uh, the dumber I think I become right. because I think I, I, there's more and more that I'm like, golly, I thought I knew what I was talking about, but this guy's a genius, and yeah. there's all this going on, and the more you learn, the more you learn, the dumber you think you are. Yeah, there's so I, much I, information I, I, out there. I think I tried to say it the other day. I said, the more I learn, the more I learn that I need to learn more. <laughs> you know yeah, I, I, I like that. I like that. That's like, all, that sounds better than saying the dumber. I feel like I, <laughs> I, say that I feel like the standard version of that is the more I learn, the less I know. Yeah, that's true. yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's it. There you go. Hey, I want to I want to end with this, because one of the things that you talked about down in uh down in Tampa was the academic side of strength and conditioning, which is something that people don't directly see. People see a strength and conditioning coach and they see what we can do as far as protecting athletes and getting them to move well and strong and fast and thrive and all that other stuff. But talk about what happens in the classroom. Yeah. So, I mean, especially at the high school level, as we're trying to, we're trying to push to get, we, we know the importance of, of getting quality strength and conditioning coaches at the high school level. And, and the, and we as strength coaches know all the benefits that come can come from, from the weight room, not just getting them bigger, faster, stronger. Um, at the high school level, we need to talk if we want to sell our program to the administration and to the higher up, up or higher ups in the academics, we need to be able to speak in academics. And, um, they kind of think of us, a lot of people, principals, administrators might think of us still as that, that video that I showed in, in, in my presentation as the quote-unquote weight coaches. So, I mean, it, but, if we're, but if we're really about teaching and empowering our students with education and skills and confidence to maximize their potential in all areas of life, I mean, I don't think there's, uh, there's no better breeding ground for for teaching them those skills and through the weight room and going through a long-term athletic development program. And, and there's so much research out there that exercise, exercise and training and weightlifting has been shown to increase confidence. And there's research out there that it increases cognitive abilities, especially in adolescence. Uh, there's, a, there's a research study out of Germany where um, students learned vocabulary words at a 20% faster rate immediately following exercise so if you exercise and you work out you're going to learn better in the class in the next class that you're in or if you're going home to study and you you work out before you go study you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna learn that stuff better it also decreased there's there was just an article in the new york times this summer about how weightlifting not just exercise not cardio it was exactly weightlifting has been shown to decrease stress and depression um and so, and it also, I mean, obviously the, what we know of, of going through a strength program about teaching the importance of goal setting and overcoming obstacles and how to deal with failure. And, and we talk about embracing the process of becoming the best at getting better. And if, if they learn that through the weight room where, where the weight room, you know, every single time you go in there, if you just get a little bit better, it's going to add up over time. That, that correlates to everything that you're going to do in life. If you take that that principle, and now when you're an adult, and every time you go to your job, you want to get be a little bit better at your job each day, or you go home to to your husband or wife and want to be a better husband or wife. That's gonna that's gonna correlate to everything you do 
do in life and make you better at everything you do in life. And so I talked like I teach a sports performance class where a lot a majority of our athletes are in it, but we also have some non-athletes. And I mean, the first day I tell them, welcome to the most important class that you're ever going to take in high school. And a lot of them, the first time you say it, they, they, they laugh a little bit and they're like, coach is crazy. They're like, this is weightlifting class. I mean, obviously it's not math or English, but when I talk to them about all that stuff that, that how this correlates to everything they do in life and no defense, no, no offense to, to calculus class, but 95% of those kids are never going to use that past <laughs> high school or college. The right. stuff that they learn uh, going through a strength program it, beyond, beyond just learning how to develop an exercise program that they can use for the rest of their life. But all of those, those, uh, those characteristics of overcoming obstacles and dealing with failure and, and embracing the process of becoming be- the best at getting better, they, they're going to carry on for, for the next 60, 70, 80 years of life. So, um, so when you explain it to like that to a lot of uh, administrators, I mean, they start, hopefully they start to see that it's not just about, we're not just big, dumb, picking up right. weights and dropping weights. And we're not just about getting them bigger, faster, stronger, we're about the holistic development of them as an overall person. I love it. And I think we just found the title to the show, Embrace the Process of Becoming the Best at Getting Better. That's the title <laughs> to the show. There we go. Well, that's all we need is episode titles. Really, that's well, all we need in this well, entire interview. Well, I stole interview. that as well from another guy. Oh, man, you are a thief. You are a thief, uh, Micah. <laughs> Jeremy Boone is an unbelievable strength coach in Charlotte, North Carolina. He's, he's, uh, he's in the private sector. He works with a lot of pros, and then, but he also does a ton of leadership development, and he's definitely got to give him a shout-out as well. Well, shout-out to him, but we don't care. We're stealing it. <laughs> Micah Kurtz, 2016 NSCA Strength Coach of the Year, now down at Windermere Prep in Windermere slash Orlando, Florida. Micah, this was awesome. I feel like there's so much terrain left, so we will definitely have you back soon on the Train with the Best podcast. No, you guys are awesome. I appreciate you having me on, and uh, I've, been, I've been enjoying listening to your show. You guys are doing a great job, and I look forward to getting up there and, and learning from you guys for sure. All right. Thanks, Micah. I'll see you soon. All right.